0: Welcome to Made For More, my name is Aaron Burke, I'm your host. I'm super pumped that you're joining us for this episode. Do me a favor right now, make sure you like, subscribe, share this with your friends. Every time you leave a review, it helps us to get the word out. And it's so cool hearing all the response from the first few episodes. And we're really glad you're joining us today. We have a huge honor of having Phil Klein, the church genius that I have gotten to know really well this last year. If you don't know about Phil, let me give you a little bit of his bio. He's the founder and leader of Focus 412. If you want to know about Focus 412, go to focus412.com. He has a vision and calling to help churches grow and he is him and his team partner with churches to help cre- um, create healthy organizations and develop great leaders. He has done that for Radiant and he's done a great job with it. Phil's background is leading and scaling large multi-site businesses. He's trained He's a trained Strengths Finders coach. You've taught me way a lot about Strengths Finders, <laughs> and a founding partner and certified John Maxwell speaker and trainer. Phil, we're glad that you're here. Thanks for being with us. We always like to do something fun to start out. So people get to know you a little bit. Yeah. First of all,
1: tell us a little bit about your family. Um, my family is amazing. Uh, we have uh, Grace and I have two daughters, okay. and uh, we live in Birmingham, Alabama. And uh, I have one daughter at um, at UNC um, Chapel Hill. And the other one is uh, part of Hope City, a great church down in uh, Texas. That's awesome. Give us a little bit of your business background. Um, I uh, I actually came up through the cable industry. Started off literally in uh, summer. Uh, One summer, took a job as a cable installer, and woke up one day and I was the chief operating officer of a started from the bottom a a cable operation. So just kind of came up from the bottom and learned it as I went. Yeah. Wow. And how did you get from that to like the church world? Um I uh was part of Elevation Church in Charlotte with Pastor Stephen Furtick and um really towards the beginning and was a volunteer and got asked to come on to the lead team and um was uh it was just an incredible experience. And through that experience I kinda understood where um the church and the common things between, you know, organizationally that the church is an organization. It's the most amazing one with the most amazing mission, but it was really understanding kind of the things that both of those entities could teach each other, what the church could teach the um, business world and kind of vice versa. So it's kind of a blend of those things, which really are all just principles God created of leadership that we're all supposed to use. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: All right, so now you're living in Birmingham, yeah. running Focus Four Twelve, helping yeah. churches. Let me ask you some some fun questions. We kind of do this lightning round. <laughs> I think it's a lot of fun. Here we go. Um, are you a Netflix guy? Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Favorite Netflix? So. Uh,
1: uh, Drive to Survive. Drive to Survive. Yeah. I haven't even heard of that. Yeah, it's about form. It's an introduction to Formula One. Yes, you yeah. get to talk
0: with us about Formula One drivers. <laughs> That's right.
1: I literally, it's and it's a brilliant strategy. It's the Formula One, um, which is a worldwide sport. Um, very elite sport. Um, it's kind of like the entry to that. You watch this documentary about it and get so hooked on it. Now I've literally become a formula one fan. So I've gone from the Netflix version to every, um, Sunday night. I am watching the recorded, uh, F one race that happened in Italy or wherever. So I've become a huge, yeah. So that was my Netflix. It's like a gateway drug, you know, it's like, I get it. I get it. Your whole talk on that
0: was like, it was like Per- the small percentage of change makes the biggest difference. Like
1: yeah, and it's the proceed. What draw drew me to F one was it really le- everything in my brain gets converted to leadership, and it's about how do you become that good at something? Where the difference between the number one driver in the world, there's only first of all, there's only twenty drivers it's in crazy. the whole. Sp- so think of like NFL. To be an elite NFL athlete is seems almost as a kid almost like an impossible dream because so many people aren't able to do that. There's very few, but there's, there's three times that on one team in the formula one world, wow. there are 20 drivers. So the, the precision in both the car and the driver has to be at a level though. So it, I I'm fascinated by things that are that, you know, that high of a level of, um, execution and expertise. Well, now
0: you've got all of our listeners ready to go. <laughs> They're going to watch it. Okay. Let's throw some more questions out at you. Favorite book hmm. you've ever read.
1: Um. Oh my gosh! Favorite book I've ever read. Um. So the Bible. I have ours. to put the Bible as <laughs> it. Other than the Bible. Other than the Bible. Um. or a good book. I think. Um. Uh. It's now it's called Chasing Daylight. It's by Erwin McManus. It was called. Um. Um. Oh, what was the original title? I can't. Be, but it's called Chasing Daylight now. It's Sweet. an amazing book by Erwin McManus.
0: Okay. Favorite cereal. Um. Are you a cereal guy?
1: Yeah. So, like, I'm a, I've turned into a healthy cereal guy. Back in the day, it would be Captain Crunch. Oh, that's you the know, one. It's like... I know. Is there healthy cereal? I guess there's <laughs> there healthy is. cereal.
0: There is. All right. One last question on this. We'll get into the topic. If you were to eliminate one fast food restaurant off the planet, like, you could eliminate it so nobody ever has to eat there again. What would you eliminate?
1: Wow. Um. You'd say this is the worst place I ever ate at. I was, was going to say McDonald's, but a good friend runs like twenty McDonald's, so she ever <laughs> listened to this. To but, listen. So we'll we'll say McDonald's for now. And McDonald's is one. a good one. Actually,
0: it's a very popular one. That, <laughs> that people say. All right, we're going to talk today about the topic of spotting and developing leaders. Yeah, huge topic. Give us this idea of why is spotting and developing leaders so important? Yeah,
1: I mean it, it rolls up to. Why leaders are important. I mean, uh, when uh, God wants to do something, he always chooses a leader and then the leader is always uh, a team always comes around the leader. It's always the first thing that happened before a big thing happens, whether it be, you know, in the church or outside of the church. So it's like um, it's raising up leaders is the is the success or non-success of anything you're going to do. And it's also the only thing you can't synthesize. In a short period of time, which means if you're not doing it, you can't catch up later and say, you know, I've created this opportunity over time and now I need a an expanded leadership team to address the the greater demand for what I'm doing. And for us in the church, it's reaching more people. You know, I always say like with enough money, you can solve almost any problem. You can build a building. You can have a bunch of people that want to come hear the word of God. You can have buildings, you can have money to, to create great, you know, experiences. And if you don't have leaders, you can't expand. Um, so, and you can't say, okay, I, n- I need to go buy some leaders tomorrow. You can't, buy you can't leaders. do that. So it's literally a cycle that really realistically is a five to, year, five to seven year cycle to you know, start building an engine that really produces as many leaders as you're going to need for your success.
0: You said it to our staff. You said money, I mean, uh, finding leaders is the only problem that money can't solve. Yeah. It, it really is. It's a brilliant way of oh, saying yes. it. Cause you can, you can buy a building, you can buy technology, you can't buy leaders. Right. So you got to spot them, you got to develop them. How do we do this?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I think, um, I think it's being really good. I love the word spotting because it's like, we're, we need to seek opportunities, see where people are at. One of the things I would, I would say is, um, we always go after the obvious, right? There's that person that's um, the term I would use is a star. Like you can spot a star from right. uh, you know, five miles away. Um, the problem with stars is they're, um, and there's nothing wrong and there's not a problem, but one of the challenges is that if they're easy to spot and they're amazing and you can plug them in and they're just going to lead, the, there's going to be a lot of competition for those people in other places, whether it be within your organization or outside of your organization. So, um, I have this thought that and this experience that there's stars, which I just described, and then there's what I would call sleepers. Um, and in my experience in the world and in leadership, I've experienced a lot of great leaders that really were once upon a time sleepers. And I'll I'll explain as we talk kind of what that looks like. But I think sleepers are people that are are not necessarily in the front of the room. They might not be the the, um, greatest communicators, but they possess a lot of qualities that can be created into leadership that just are, um, we'll call it quiet strengths that we have to kind of discover.
0: So how do you spot them if they're not up front? If they're not out where everybody right. knows them, right? Like that's, I mean, yeah. I think it sounds great, but yeah. then how do you know that if everybody's not a sleeper, that's not, yeah. Cause
1: sleepers don't make much noise, meaning right. they're usually hard at work getting stuff done. Right. Okay. So um, I always say, you know, look in parts of your organization or or just outside your organization when you're out, you know, kind of um, in your church and in your encounters, look for where stuff is getting done versus look for people doing things. If that makes sense. So um, looking in areas where progress is being made and then kind of getting underneath that and saying, why are we being so 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 successful in this area or why is this team being so successful. And oftentimes there's a unassuming, um, quiet nose to the grindstone has a great plan and is executing with a low ego, um, and making that happen. So it's like, but those things aren't, um, aren't usually again, those aren't the people that are, are saying, look what I did. Right. You know, so they're not calling your attention to it. I think another thing is look, um, let's, you know, take a page out of the, uh, retail or, um, playbook of, of, of people trying to sell stuff to us, you know, a good marketer will say, um, what I want to know is when I know the profile of the person I'm trying to reach, I try to figure out what they like to do, where they like to hang out. Cause that's what, you know, that's how we're profiled right. by, by people. Right. Yeah, yeah. So they know, like, You know, with what you're trying to sell me, you want to go to the place that I do the things I like to enjoy and engage me there. It's kind of like, unfortunately, it's like what cigarette manufacturers used to do. You know, it's like figure out what they like to do and introduce them to those things. So, you know, show up at those events. I think I see it in the same way. It's like, um, what do people who are, you know, who work hard, um, are deeply in purpose and... um, like to get stuff done and are good at doing it, what what are those characteristics where are they at? They usually hang around hang out with other people that have those same yeah you know, those yep. same attributes, if you will. So um, a lot of times we forget to ask the leaders that are emblematic of what we're looking for um, if they know anybody like them, if you will, or you That's know their really friends or their, great question. You ask. know, their friend groups, if you will.
0: Right. So I've always found that you don't always go after the most available people because there's normally a reason they're so available. You're basically saying don't also go after the loudest people because, you know, they can be making a lot of noise, but not a lot of difference. Right. So how do you go after the ones that are the high producers? You know, I think of you, you were, you know, running, I mean, a high level leader, you're serving at a local church. Someone taps you on the shoulder and says, I see church leadership in you I see this thing right you know how do you entice those kind of high capacity leaders to say hey what we're doing is important for you to put your time to right and bringing them on your team
1: yeah I think people that have deep purpose um, people that want to make a difference have the ability to do that um, and have the humility to say I just want to plug in and make a difference but then the next thing is really I want to do that in a place that's going to give me a return, uh, 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 as, um, uh, Lee domain would say, a friend of mine would say uh, an eternal return on investment, right? E-R-O-I. It, yeah. yeah. It's and brilliant. it's not just, it's not, in, and I'm applying that same principle, but it's too, um, if, so the, the framework has to be in place where it has to be obvious how I would plug into that. If I am attracted by it, like it can't be a guessing game, how I would get involved if I want to get involved. Is there, um, So is there an obvious way for me to get involved? Are there things in place, systems and structures, that I feel like if I did get involved, I would be able to um, get the work done versus fighting a system or trying to figure out how I get the work done? Right. Um, So I think having systems and structure in place, structure and accountability um, draws great leaders. Great leaders don't want to be in a position where they're going to make a contribution and that contribution could... Be frittered away, if you will, because it's within a structure that um, they can't do their best work, for lack of a better term. It's
0: brilliant. I mean, they yeah. only have so much time. Right. They have, everybody's pulling at them. They right. want to know. I'm not going to be fighting bureaucracy. Right. I'm not going to. You have the red tape. So, talk about the presenting the why to them. How often? Right. How important is it to keep the why in front of leaders? Right.
1: Like that? Yeah. I mean, I think culture is. You know, culture is everything. I think it's the thing that the church has that. The world probably doesn't have on the most part there are yep. very few companies and i've worked for a bunch we had a lot of um consolidation you know when i started which would have been almost 40 years ago in the cable industry there was like they used to start at the top 1000 cable companies there's like five now right so i work i think i've worked for 18 different cable companies um because they kept you know so a new owner would come in so i've had so much I've been a part of so many different cultures, but I think the difference between us and the world and, and one of our secret sauces, if you will, in a, from a leadership perspective, and I say that because I think sometimes we feel like as a church, you know, like Apple's got leadership down and we're just kind of, we're not really in the mm-hmm. in the big leagues. I really think there are some aspects of leadership that we've started to become, you know, of um, uh, Really, really good at, and I think that's um, a lot of that has to do with the things that we would assume everybody does, which is to develop a really great culture where you understand why we do what we do, we understand how we interact with each other, we understand what what our shared values are, yeah. and we execute towards a purpose. Like those are not necessarily components of the world. And if I'm out there and I'm 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 trying to lead and trying to make a difference and you can show me a place that I can lead, whether it be as a volunteer part-time or whether to be eventually to come on to staff, um, that may be very attractive to me versus the world I work in, which is just being a piece of a puzzle that I'm not even really sure you know, where it goes. So I think um, culturally it, um, and, and not getting into this mindset that like you're on a staff or you're a volunteer, and if you're a volunteer, you show up and plug in somewhere but it's there's this big difference between the two we're all on the same mission we all need to play a vital role and some of us may be on staff some of us may get paid but it shouldn't affect the fact that I can lead and right. be effective as a as a leader so i think some of those things the ability cuz again i may in my regular job if i'm a volunteer i may not get the authority and the create creative position to be able to really lead like i do at the church, somebody may be, not believe in me like the church believes in me. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get it to a point where we take, a we take it out of positional leadership mm-hmm. and and put it into um, investment base. Meaning, my instead of me serving my church, my church believes more. You know, believes there's something more in me, and they're right. they're investing in me. I can see that change in my life. I can see how it changes my work life my family life who I am as a father who I am as a son that's when I go hey I want some more of that I want to lead at a higher level I want you to you know I, I want to be challenged more in that area and I think again we bring some components to that whether it be talking about who you are versus right. what you do and those things I think those are components that we think are obvious but probably need to be um, communicated and shared because it you know I, um, people forget yeah
0: even the greatest level, leaders, they just forget, why are we doing this? What are we doing? Oh, I'm just, I'm setting up a trailer. I'm volunteering at the soup kitchen. Right. They forget the why often. Right, right. And so I, that idea of knowing who you are, reminding people of them. Let me ask you a question off of this because a lot of people kind of get burned because they can maybe spot good leaders and recruit them, but they can't keep them. Yeah. Um, I, I know people that have, you know, businesses and they hire great people. They're like, they my greatest people always leave. How do you retain great yeah, leaders? Yeah,
1: um, that's a great question, and it's a tough one. But, I mean, one of the things that I think is key that we don't always think of is, and it relates to what we were just talking about, and that is, um, you know, even science some of the studies that have been done at some of the uh, universities um, that have said, like, when people are doing a thing, there's people that come in and continue, and let's talk about volunteering, not just in the church, but overall volunteering. Sure. I come and I volunteer, and at some point, I, um, I fade away, and I don't do it anymore. And you go, why, why do some people just go on and continue to do that, and why do some people fade away, specific to leadership? And the one delta that they found that makes all the difference in the world is, it's how far removed are you from the good that you're doing. meaning That is a game changer yeah, yeah. right
0: there. That resolves most church problems right yes. there, most volunteer problems right there. Yes. How far removed are you from
1: the right. difference? Yeah. Right. So it's like, in in literally, that, I think it was Harvard that did this huge study and they said the big aha was the people that couldn't see the life change that happened because of what they were doing. Not just the, this is why we do it, but seeing the couple that you know, that was broken and came and this was their last resort, found community which got them into healing and then healing. Like, to know that you are a part of that, that is literally the difference with the same physical effort, the same mental effort, the same schedule that you're balancing to go do that work of why people are like the Energizer Bunny and they can just keep going and going. And it's literally that one factor and it's like a light switch. I
0: go to the football game, I sit in the stands, I eat the hot dog, but I'm I'm not there for any time I actually see a touchdown. Absolutely. And then when I don't see the touchdown, I forget why am I even here. Right. And the the less that you see them, they actually see the impact they're making. They they just ask themselves, why am I here all the time? Why yep. am I running this group
1: anymore? Yep.
0: Why am I giving these dollars? So yep.
1: it's the numbers and the stories. Those two things. Numbers and the stories. Yep.
0: Can you push that a little bit more? Like what does that mean? Like yeah, I
1: mean like you have to have metrics to measure what you're doing. And people say, "Well, it's, you're making it about the numbers. It's about people." Well, <laughs> every person is a number. Right. You know, if you don't count me, I would want you to know, like, that I'm here yeah. and where I'm at. If you're saying these are the steps that can change your life, and you know, if we have these four steps we want you to take, you don't need to take them all now, but right. you need to take one. If you don't know where I'm at, you don't know. Also, don't know which step I need to take, which means you can't really help me to my next best because you don't so I'm all about understand the dynamics of where people are at the step they need to take have metrics that measure how well or if we're going to try something and we need to see what effect it has have more people taken that step because of what we tried if the answer is no then we shouldn't be doing that anymore so So I think that's the number side of it is like how do we really understand instead of just throwing a bunch of stuff against the wall that what we're doing and is it moving the needle and what moves the needle the most that's aligned with our vision? And then the other piece is, what is the evidence in life change stories? Like how many people have we, uh, stories do we have that we have collected, curated and repeated? So people, that's what, you know, vision is where we're going. And it's also vision is what refuels me through getting me to that next level. You know, it's like, I need to understand, what I'm doing. And it's those, it's, it's those stories of people, real people that are those tangible one-offs as well as the volume of things. Do you know that that's happened this many times in the last month? So
0: good. I I always got to this place where I'm like, well, they should just trust me. It's it's working. (laughs) It's working. And they don't trust you. They want to know tangibles, but if they knew what I knew, I think people would serve more. They would give more They'd be more bought in, yep. But they don't know because I don't tell them the stories, yeah. and that's really good. All so right, good. last question because we're about out of time. All right, leading during COVID, there's a lot of pastors, leaders. Uh, we're, you know, if you're listening to this later, right now we're in November of yeah. 2020. Yeah. crazy election covid season yeah. uh what have you seen kind of the lessons going through this season wow kind of give people some uh, some wisdom moving forward
1: yeah lots i mean I've, the first thing i would tell people that are thinking through this is um is i would want to encourage everybody to say nobody is figured out nobody came out of this going i i, I wrestled this to the ground and i won <laughs> right, like right, yeah. you know everybody feels pretty trampled right now right. it doesn't mean that you're just laying there on your back, letting the world run over you. It doesn't mean that, but it does mean, you know, like the great. I get to deal with some of the greatest leaders in the country, I think in the church and, and, um, nobody has said to me, like I'm all over it. I got it all figured out. All the best leaders I work with have said, I have, you know, I've not figured this out yet, but so it's just continuing to understand and learn from it. And I think some of the lessons from it, um, are that, I think the biggest one that I've seen is a lot of people got caught in kind of flat-footed and frozen because everything got tossed up in the air. And when everything's in the air, and you're a leader, your job is always everybody's looking for you to say, "What do we do?" And it was so massive and complex that how do I know what? How do I know? How do I tell people what to do when I don't know what to do? And one of the things we've talked about a lot in leadership is in order to move forward when you have an equation that you don't have all the pieces for what do you need to do if it's math you plug in an assumption right yep. it's a, it's a letter or right. whatever so i've been sharing with people you know part of executing is to say like i know a couple things i can do but there's some unknowns you have to take a guess meaning i don't know how i move forward and, until i assume I make an assumption of when COVID dies down and is and starts to really tail off. Mm -hmm. I have no idea when that's going to happen, but I have to force myself to say, I'm going to pick an arbitrary date. That's my best guess. And I, and for those of us who are, you know, like it's just a guess. Right. And I'm going to say, it's going to be June of next year. I'm making that up. So based on June of next year, I can now start making budgetary decisions. I can start saying, what am I going to do with my team? Meaning do I have enough, um, Money to not lay anybody off. Right. Well, if it's March, I, I, I do, and if it's June, maybe I don't. But if if you don't know what that date is, so I think it's it's making assumptions so you can make you can move forward because we can't stand still. Yeah, and you're but you're not also going to have all the answers. So make some assumptions, fill in the blanks with guesses, but firm those guesses up and then develop a plan that you can execute on. And just, it may not be the right plan, but you can at least start executing. it. brilliant, on.
0: Phil. All right, people that are church leaders, they want to grow their church. Give them a little plug about Focus for 412.
1: <laughs> um, we're just a, a team that um, is called to help churches grow. And we believe that um, building healthy organizations really means what we talked about, which yeah. is, it's how do I develop great systems, put it, put it into a great structure, um, bring on great people and wrap a culture around it that can make it the culture's kind of the band that wraps around all of it. and if those things they're never all going to be perfect, but if I have good plans and good execution in those areas, I'll be healthy and and that's kind of what most great organizations look like
0: Well, I'll just say that they have helped us incredibly at radiant church so. We appreciate you, Phil. Appreciate Appreciate Focus 412. You can get more information at focus412.com. Thank you for listening to Made for More. Make sure you like, subscribe, share it with your friends. Tag me on Instagram, Aaron R. Burke, with a little post that you've watched this. I want to see who you are. I'll see you or I'll hear you or I'll be part of your life on the next episode of Made for More. Thanks for being with us.